My name is Ignatius Martin, and this is my story. Many of you know my intimate struggles with singleness from stories of my dates or due to the fact that I'm still being single. As someone who is not afraid to do the work and to put myself out there, it would come as no surprise that I was finally able to crack it. I found the one, or at least I thought she was. This relationship was one of the best things I've had. This person challenged me and, lo and allowed me to grow. I told myself that this would be my story. You see, I was doing all that I can to cherish this period and to achieve my goal of not being single. And my actions gave me a sense of assurance that this will be a successful story. Not because it was God's will or his plan for me, but because of my work and my effort. I told myself, this is my story. The story of me falling in love and sweeping someone off their feet. Trusting that my story will stand the test of time, I kept building, building on a foundation made of sand. And one day, it was taken away from me. I was left with a failed dream and broken trust. It is at this time of hurt, and while pondering through all the questions, why did this happen? What could I have done did I realize that my flaw was not that I trusted this person or something that I did or didn't do, but placing my faith and my hope on idols, something so fickle like my plan, my actions, and my efforts. When my plans failed, I became more open to God's plan in my life. I must admit, looking back, it's so easy for me to blame a person and their actions or my willingness to place trust where it was not earned. But the hard thing to do was to realize that I had several idols, idols that were taking my time, my energy, and my attention away from God and seeking His will in my life. I had to weed out strongly held views that were detrimental to my faith and my spiritual life I had to go back to my roots. I had to order the good things in my life, which meant being vulnerable and relinquishing my need for control. Doing the above actually gave me a lot more peace. It freed me from the confinements of my plan and it gave me significant room to experience his grace, his amazing grace. I still make plans and I still experience disappointments, but when I do, I am left with an assurance that God still has a plan for me. And trusting in him is not a single leap of faith, but a constant practice of trust. My name is Ignatius Martin, and this is my story. Often after my story, I feel like, why, why should I preach? Didn't they just say it really well? But I really worked hard on this, so can I go ahead and do it? <laughs> so to understand our, the story today, the first thing I have to know is uh, that I've had a few automobile accidents. Uh, the, the first one that I can... Oh, this crowd knows me better than first service. Um, first one, I remember I was fishing around in a bag of barbecue chips, and I was getting some chocolate milk from Quick Trip, so I was on my way to a stomachache, too. And uh, the car in front of me moved forward, so I moved forward, and wham! They were just inching forward. They had not gotten onto the highway, but since I wasn't looking, 
I got out, we traded information, but I, I guess they never turned it in because nothing, nothing ever came of it. Um, next time I was, uh, I was a teenager, I was in my parents' truck, and I had lost a lizard in there like a week before. So I'm just going to let that sentence sink in. So anyways, while I'm driving down the road, the, the lizard comes out from under the seat, and I'm like, oh, there's that lizard sitting on the seat next to me. So I'm chasing this lizard around in the truck. And pretty soon I hear, whoop, 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 whoop. I was so busy chasing the lizard that I drifted off the road into the trees, and the trees were smacking the truck, and it put a dent in the passenger rearview mirror. And I, I got home and did what teenagers do. I just, I just parked it and waited for someone to notice. I didn't say a thing. And uh, a few days later, um, uh, we were sitting at the dinner table, and my stepmom said, you know, I left the truck out in front of the house just for a few hours last week, and those, those girls on the corner that are always playing tennis in the cul-de-sac, they dented our rearview mirror and didn't even come up to the house to tell us. And I said, those darn tennis girls. <laughs> and it just occurred to me, my dad probably just learned the truth during first service. I'll have to talk to him afterward. Um, so, yeah, my eyes are not on the road. You know, I'm chasing lizards around while I'm driving. What did I think was going to happen? In our scripture story this morning, we've got a lot of people do not have their eyes on the road. Now, to follow our scripture today, you've got to follow a few weird names and the relationships. So we're talking about King David, and, uh, and he is the king of Israel, but now he's old. And he has lots of sons, but only two matter today. He has Solomon whose uh, mother was Bathsheba. You probably heard of her before. And, and David has told Solomon, someday you're going to be king. Because back then, it wasn't automatically the oldest who became king. It was whoever the king picked. And he had told Solomon and Bathsheba, you're going to be king someday. But he had not held a ceremony to make it official. So this other son, Adonijah, his mother was Haggith, he gets kind of tired of waiting around, and he decides one day, I'm just going to make myself king. David's not even dead yet. And he does this. We're in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5. About that time, David's son, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, began boasting, I'll make myself king. So he provided himself with chariots and charioteers and recruited 50 men to run ahead of him. He basically puts together his own parade for himself. His brother lives just down the road. His father is still alive and still controls the army. So what is he thinking? Well, he's just chasing the lizard of being king, and his eyes are not on the road. We can do this in our own spiritual life. I don't think, actually, very many people reject God. Some do, but not very many. I think far more common is for us to just take our eyes off the road and just drift. We're just chasing other lizards, and we're going off into the trees, and we don't know it. We just don't attend to the things it needs tending to. We know that we should be praying more. We're starting to make these life decisions that are important. And if someone asks us, well, what, what happened when you prayed about that? How'd you feel? And we'd have to turn all red in the face and go, oh, yeah, I didn't really, didn't really think to pray about it. Our eyes aren't on the road. Now, my next two accidents I don't consider my fault because I wasn't in the vehicle at the time. So I was at our friend's house, and they said, why is your Jeep in the middle of the road? And it's because the emergency brake had come undone. It just drifted out into the street. I thought, well, that was weird. A few days later, I get a recall notice from the manufacturer. These emergency brakes are failing all over the country. Come in, and we'll fix it. I thought, ooh, yeah, I should probably do that. But I got busy chasing other lizards. 
and I did not take it in. It's getting, going on months now. Sure enough, I'm uh, parked over in Blue Springs at a strip mall, and I come out of the store, and the Jeep's gone. It had rolled backwards through an entire parking lot full of cars. I don't know how it missed them all. But it made straight for the exit onto 7 Highway at the busiest time of the day, backwards. <laughs> Thankfully, these car dealers very thoughtfully turned in at that exact moment and got plowed front end. Now imagine these guys surprised when they're like, who is this idiot backing out in the middle of the day onto the highway? And they go up to the Jeep and it's nobody. There's nobody there. Even the police were confused. I didn't get a ticket. They just put it up to mechanical failure. But it was my fault. I had the recall. I knew those emergency brakes weren't working. Someone could have been killed. But I wasn't attending to what needed attending to. A lot of people in our story are not attending to what needs tending to. David has not been attending. You know, his son's making himself king. And here we find out in verse 6. Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time. Even by asking, why are you doing that? Adonijah had been born next after Absalom. And and he was very handsome. Now, why is it mentioning Absalom? Because that's David's oldest son who also rebelled against David and died in a war. So we're kind of getting the impression here that David is not a great father. He does not pay a lot of attention to what's going on with the kids. He's never even asked this kid, hey, why are you doing that? He just roughs him up on the head like, yeah, that's a good looking kid. And that's about all the attention he pays to him. He's not attending to the things that be, need to be attending to. In fact, he hasn't even had an official ceremony to say which of his sons will be king next. He's old. He's sick. This is the emergency break for his kingdom. If he doesn't take care of this, as soon as he dies, there's going to be like a war to decide who's the king. And whoever wins will probably kill all the other brothers, because that's what they did back then, to make sure there's no rivals for the throne. This emergency break really needs to be fixed. His wife Bathsheba comes, verse 20. And now, my lord, the king, all Israel is waiting for you to announce who will become king after you. If you do not act, my son Solomon will be treated as a criminal as soon as my lord, the king, has died. Please, she's saying, take care of what needs taken care of. We do this in our own spiritual life. We know that we have not invested in church community the way we should We know that we have made a lot of decisions without prayer. We haven't even learned about this faith that we claim to hold. I mean, we can just tell the emergency brake's just not properly installed. We're getting along, but everything's going okay. If something starts not going okay, we kind of know it's not going to hold us. In fact, our marriage is already starting to make that funny noise. And every time I press on the accelerator of my career, I don't get the same gas I used to. Things just aren't quite there. And we have these plans. I'll get more spiritual. I will, I will do the thing more. I, I know the walk I need to be on. I'll get to it. And then we don't get to it. We're chasing other lizards. Our eyes are not on the road. What do we think is going to happen? My next three accidents, I call my fun accidents... I was in an icy intersection, and I rear-ended a van. And when I got out to do insurance stuff, they just drove off. I thought, oh, they don't want to stop at the icy intersection. I'll follow them. I followed them. I followed them for like 10 miles. Finally, I got to my own turnoff. I'm like, I guess I'm going home. So that was the year Bump and Rob was a big thing in Kansas City, where people in the plaza were getting rear-ended. And when they got out to trade insurance, they got robbed at gunpoint. 
So I'm guessing these people, it was about Christmas time, and I guess they thought, ah, he didn't hit us that hard. I'm not getting out. I don't care that much. Cool. Um, I was, uh, another time I was on the way home from World of Fun with my buddies. We were having a great time, and the car, some of them are here. And, uh, and I, I stopped at a traffic signal, and wham, we got hit from behind. I looked up. It was a flashing yellow light. I stopped at a flashing yellow. And then, boom, we got hit a second time. Third car piles in. So I get out. The second car looks pretty good, but that third car was a twisted, steaming uh, pile of metal. Now, a person gets out of it, and, and they're in pretty good shape. And he goes, uh, this is a company car. I don't care what happens to it. But if anybody here has been drinking, just drive out of here. Just go. And I'm like, cool. I mean, I've not been drinking. I'm just a moron. But uh, <laughs> thanks. And then, and then uh, the next person I rear-ended was your very own music director, Chris Lee. And so I, I dented the back of, of his Explorer, and he got his insurance settlement. He called me. He said, would, would you be offended? Would it be unethical if I didn't get it fixed? It's just a dent. Um, but I could really, I'm getting ready to go on a honeymoon, and I could really use this to add stuff to our honeymoon. And I said, Chris, I'm glad I could help you. <laughs> so these really weren't like accidents. These were just like a bunch of guys out partying, having a great time. You know, if you're drinking, just drive on, and thanks for the honeymoon. And, and it was great fun, great fun. Adonai's just having great fun making himself king. He's just gathering all of his buddies together. Here we are. Uh, we're, let's see, here we are in verse 9. Adonijah went to the stone of Zohaleth near the spring of Enragel. All sounds like Lord of the Rings places, doesn't it? Where he sacrificed sheep and cattle and fattened calves. And he invited all his brothers and the other sons of King David, all the royal officials of Judah. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet or Benaniah, the king's bodyguard, or his brother Solomon. So he's having a party and he's inviting all his buddies, but he's not inviting anybody who's on David or Solomon's side of the thing. He's starting to get careful. He's just inviting the bobbleheads, right? Just the guys who are just going to nod along and have a great time and no one's going to challenge him. And this is actually when you know that your spiritual journey is really getting off track. When we start to be careful to only hang out with people who are less spiritual than we are. Because they're just going to be bobbleheads. They're just going to nod along. No one's going to say, have you prayed about that? Because they may well go to church, but they go the same or less than we do. And they're not going to make a big fuss. and They're never going to say anything uncomfortable. Like, it looks like you're drifting a little bit. It looks like your eyes aren't really on the road. No, we're just all going to have a great, great time. You know, eyes not on the road. Emergency brakes not fixed. Chasing other lizards. But we surround ourselves with people who say, well, isn't that just life? Have fun. No need to get all weirdly religious. Where do we think this is going to head? When are we going to drift far enough that we come to an all stop? Something puts the brakes on us. My all stop moment came at a traffic light. The sun was shining from behind me so brightly that I couldn't tell which light was lit up. Have you ever had that where the sun shines right on it and they all look lit up? So when the car next to me moved, I moved. But the car next to me was making a right turn on red. So I'm crossing the intersection against the red light. I get T-boned by an SUV so hard it knocks me sideways. And then, much to my embarrassment, the paramedic who arrives is Scott Patton, our own... Greeter, usher, director, yay. Church people at my car wreck. Um, So this time I get a ticket. This time I'm going to court. Fun time's over. 
all stop. So Adonijah is about to come up to his all stop moment. Bathsheba's been all over David. Will you please make it official? You've got a son down here who's making himself king. So verse 28, King David responded, Call Bathsheba. So she came back in and stood before the king, and the king repeated his vow. As surely as the Lord lives, who has rescued me from every danger, your son Solomon will be the next king and will sit on my throne this very day, just as I vowed to you before the Lord, the God of Israel. Finally. So they have a huge celebration. Hundreds of people show up. They're dancing. They're singing. They say they were dancing so much that it shook the ground. Shook the ground so that Adonijah could uh, feel it a block away. And people went out and were like, what is going on out here? People are running in the street. They've named a new king, Solomon. Uh Uh-oh. Verse uh, 49. Then all of Adonijah's guests jumped up in a panic from the banquet table and quickly scattered. You bet they did because they were at a party, but now they're at a rebellion. So they scattered. Party's over. Adonijah's left there at his all-stop moment. Now he's tried to steal the throne. We all come to an all-stop moment every once in a while in our spiritual life. If you haven't come to one yet, you probably will. This is that place where you realize you've drifted too far. You've been chasing other lizards. Emergency brake finally gives way. It's a painful place, I know. Some of you have come this morning because you're at your all-stop moment, and you're like, what can I do but reach out to God? What's left? The bobbleheads, they're all gone. They all scattered because you're not fun anymore when you come to your all-stop moment. Some of you are tuning in to watch this because someone shared it with you, or you think, well, my friend's been wanting me to come. At least I could watch it online. What else can I do? This is a very lonely place, the all-stop, but it's also a blessed place. Because now, finally, your eyes are on the road. And you, you know that things are broken. And all the bobbleheads you use to distract you, they're all gone. And so now it's just you and God. And this is a time to say, like, okay, I'm going to go before the judge. What's this going to be like? I've got no other options. So I go before the judge. And I know what some of you are thinking. Please tell me he took your license away. But remember that from the judge's point of view, this is not my ninth accident. This is my first accident because none of the other ones were ever reported or nothing ever came of it. And so uh, you're saying, how did you keep insurance all that time? Well, my brother-in-law is my insurance agent. So that helps a great deal. Um, So the judge sentences me to driving school. Now, let me tell you, though, I am the first person in the history of the human race who went to driving school, took notes, and learned something. When that crusty fire patrol guy got up and it's like, you're in a two-ton metal missile driving around 45, 55, 65 miles an hour, weaving in and out of people's grandmothers and kindergartners, and you're eating a sandwich? I was like, that makes a lot of sense. I should write that down. And he's like, when the car in front of you passes a light pole... Start counting till you reach it. Ah, oh, take three seconds. Wow, that would help me with all these rear endings. That is an <laughs> excellent piece of advice. I wrote all that stuff down, and I started. I told my wife I never realized how much I didn't pay attention when I drove till I started paying attention. She was not impressed either. Um, 
Now, I haven't been in an accident for 13 years. I am so grateful for this second chance, or in my case, ninth chance. <laughs> Adonijah sure does need a second chance right about now. Verse uh, 30, Adonijah was afraid of Solomon, because remember what the new king usually does to all the rivals? So he rushed to the sacred tent and grabbed onto the horns of the altar. Word soon reached Solomon that Adonijah had seized the horns of the altar in fear and that he was pleading, let the king Solomon swear today he will not kill me. What is he doing? So in the tent, the holy tent, they had an altar where you could sacrifice uh, for forgiveness to God. And it had these big posts at the corner. They called the horns of the altar. And there was a law in the Old Testament that if you killed someone accidentally, Before their uh, family could send out somebody to do revenge on you, you could run to the tent, grab the horns of the altar, and then they could not kill you until you had had a trial. So you'd have a chance to explain it was an accident. So that's what Adonijah is doing. He's clinging to the horns of the altar to save his life. But truth is, he does not belong there because he didn't kill anybody by accident. He tried to take the throne and he knew what he was doing. So actually, the horns of the altar don't protect him. All he has is the mercy of his brother Solomon, and and he's asking for it. Verse 52, Solomon replied, If he proves himself to be loyal, not a hair on his head will be touched. But if he makes trouble, he will die. So King Solomon summoned Adonijah, and they brought him down from the altar. He came and bowed respectfully before King Solomon, who dismissed him, saying, Go on home. His brother forgives him. Solomon says, stay loyal. We'll forget this happened. Go on home. In the spiritual life, we call this amazing grace. If you're at your all stop moment and you're before the judge because what else can you do? You're out of options. I want you to know you will find God to be merciful. He is the God of second chances and ninth chances. He stands ready to say to you, stay loyal, go on home. And he gives us the church as a place where can help us keep our eyes on the road. And in the church, you have folks who can help you fix that emergency break. We have things for marriage. We have things for finances. We have things for parenting. We have things for substance abuse. We have things for sexual, uh, uh, sexual uh, uh, addiction. We have all sorts of things to help Fix that emergency break that's been a problem for a long time. And it's not full of bobbleheads. It's not going to fill people just nod along and then when you're not fun anymore, scatter. It's folks who can say, hey, I think you could do better than that. Let's pray. Let's come together. Now, I know what you're thinking, some of you. I, I needed the grace of God. I don't know about the church thing. I don't know if I could come do the church thing. I mean, what if I mess up again? What if you mess up again? Truth is, I did have a 10th accident. I was driving down the freeway and a car swerved into my lane and I swerved to miss them and sideswiped the thing, truck next to me. Now that sounds a little bit like, well, that wasn't your fault, but it actually was because I wasn't looking in the rearview mirror enough to know whether there was somebody back here that I would sideswipe or whether I'd just be better off to mash the brakes and drop back and let them swerve on in front of me. I didn't know what was going on back there enough. So I really was responsible because I wasn't looking in the rearview mirror enough. 
So if you're worried that you're going to blow it, if you try the spiritual life and you try a church community, I just want to say to you, you're human, and so you will. You will blow it. And when you do, I just want you to look in the rearview mirror. Look in the rearview mirror and remember where you've come from and that you don't want to go back there. You don't want to go back to the all-stop place, so just keep moving ahead. And look in the rearview mirror because that's your history, and remember that God gave you a second chance and a ninth chance, and that's who he is, so it's all right. And I want you to cling to the cross of Jesus Christ. We don't have the the sacrificial altar anymore because in the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus Christ became the once and for all sacrifice for all people, all sins, past, present, and future. And so we don't have the altar of sacrifice anymore. We have the cross of Christ and his sacrifice and you can cling to that cross and you can go back to that cross as many times as you need to. So come into the church and let's all together help each other keep our eyes on the road. Not chase the lizards that don't matter. Fix those breaks. Cling to the cross. If you'd like to be a part of that spiritual life and that journey. Even if you just like to, you're drifting a little bit, you just like to get back on focus. Pray with me now. Amen.